Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Mr. President Biden in Saudi Arabia to promote U.S. interests. The president needs to make it very clear to bring these prices down. The murder of Jamal Khashoggi, precisely what happened there. The human rights issue. Pass the Women's Health Protection Act to make the protections of Roe v. Wade the law of the land. Ivana Trump has died. Oh, first lady, you can... <laughs> Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Yes, he is back. Been out for the past four days cheering on Little League All-Star baseball games. I've got two grandsons. Both of them made two different uh, All-Star teams. And Greenville did well, and they continue to do well. Congrats to the Greenville North State 12U team. They made it to the North Carolina State All-Star Tournament. Uh, They came in third in that tournament. It turns out they lost yesterday to Myers Park Trinity. Uh, It's a two-game elimination. That was their second loss. Myers Park Trinity and Durham Bull City are now going to play in the championship game. Myers Park beat Durham earlier today, so those two teams now have one loss each championship game will be played tomorrow in Rocky Mount. The winner of that game will go to Warner Robins, Georgia. But congratulations to Greenville Tar Heel Little League. The 8-10 All-Stars won their state tournament. Um, That was yesterday. They will go on to play in the Tournament of State Champions in Wilson beginning next Saturday on the 23rd. And congratulations to Greenville Tar Heel Little League 11U All-Stars. They won their state tournament. They will go on to play the Tournament of State Champions in Wilson beginning Saturday the 30th. And uh, both those uh, are big deals. They will include teams from North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. So that is where I have been. There's there's certain things in life that you got to do as a grandpa, and going to your grandson's Little League All-Star Games is high on the list. Uh, and listen, congratulations to the Little League program. Uh, they do a great job, and the Greenville Little League program, for those who live in Greenville, uh, congratulations and kudos because – it is one of the premier Little League programs probably in the entire nation and uh, represented uh, Greenville well, or, uh, represented North Carolina well from Greenville, and uh, hopefully it'll go beyond just uh, uh, just the state tournaments. Uh, and again, the Tournament of State Champions for uh, the folks over in Wilson's congr- Wilson, congratulations for getting that. Uh, that'll be a, that'll be a good uh, boom to the economy over there, because you're going to have all kinds of uh, teams and parents and relatives, and grandpas and grandmas showing up to watch uh, their their boys play in that uh, tournament of state champions. So congratulations. The Carolina Journal's reporting: CNBC ranked North Carolina as the number one state for business and economy in 2022. North Carolina has consistently been a top 10 contender, and last year was the runner-up. This year, they won it all. They got the top spot. When Republicans won control of the General Assembly over a decade ago, we put North Carolina on a direct path toward becoming the best state in the country for business, said Senate Leader Phil Berger. 
from reforming our tax policy to creating some of the best incentives in the nation, North Carolina is a magnet for business creation and expansion. The Republican General Assembly is seen as the reason for economic growth by business owners as well. Now, uh, and you stop and consider what they've done. In fact, Bob Lundy, Luddy, uh, CEO of uh, Captive Air, noted the fact that the taxes are going in the right direction. Personal income taxes reduced from 7.75 to 4.99. That'll continue to go down. Um, corporate income tax went from 6.9 to 2.5. It's heading towards zero. Uh, Treasury Secretary, I'm sorry, Treasury, um, North Carolina Treasurer uh, Falwell paid off the unemployment insurance debt to the federal government. And, you know, that really was on the backs of North Carolina businesses to uh, pay that off. But it's paid off, unlike New York and California, who decided they weren't going to pay theirs off. As a result, uh, the federal government raised taxes on businesses in those states until it's paid off. And uh, so, I mean, there are a lot of positive things going on in North Carolina and I know I'm biased. I know I'm a Republican. I know I'm a conservative. But the, the kudos need to go to the Republican legislature. Interestingly, MS, I'm sorry, CNBC attributes North Carolina's success to bipartisan cooperation that uh, has made the company more attractive in, to incoming businesses. Quote, CNBC oversells, I'm sorry, Mitch Kokai said, quote, CNBC oversells the political cooperation and uh, but he also notes that and, and, and by the way, the idea that Cooper and Phil Berger and Tim Moore are, are cooperating on all these things, it's somewhat of a false narrative. But I would say the legislature, many people in the legislature, both in the state and in the in the House, they do cooperate on a number of issues. Uh, they also cite the fact that the North Carolina, Legislature and the governor have had these incentives, and uh, the Carolina Journal rightly says, you know what, uh, these incentives to bring these large businesses in, for example, there's a $2 billion deal to open up a VinFast electric vehicle factory. Uh, that will happen. That was highlighted in the CNBC article. But, you know, the bipartisan support to a lot of free market folks like the John Locke Foundation, I'd put myself in this category, Um, is it right to target certain businesses and have these giveaway programs? I don't think it's good policy. I've said all along, and and I understand that a lot of states say you've got to have these incentives to attract these businesses. I would say that that's half of it. But the other half, which I think is more important, is the fact that we have had a state legislature that has continued to low tax, uh, lower taxes, both personal taxes and corporate taxes. And, and the thing about it is these giveaway programs, these incentives to attract certain businesses that the governor's office and the state legislature want to target, is it fair to the other business people? Because in, in, in essence, you are taking taxpayer money and handing it over to a, a, a private entity. And you got to ask yourself, is, is that fair to the taxpayer? I mean, for, for the businesses that are paying into the system where and have been loyal 
North Carolinians for decades, where's their bonus? Now, I understand that uh, a a lot of these uh, folks up in the state legislature and the governor's office, they want to incentivize businesses because they will come in and they will raise the uh, number of people working, unemployment. It's good. I understand that. But is it equitable to the, the business owners that are already there? But anyway, I, I, I don't want to be a wet blanket on it. Congratulations, M, uh, CNBC, ranking North Carolina as the number one state for business and economy. Good deal. Uh, as you heard in the opening, Ivana Trump, uh, the first wife of Donald Trump, uh, passed away. Apparently, it looks as if she either had cardiac arrest and fell on the steps or fell on the steps and perhaps had cardiac arrest. They're going to do an autopsy. They'll, they'll know in, in days to come. Uh, Donald Trump announced the death of his first wife and the mother of his three eldest children, uh, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka, and uh, Eric on his Truth Social um, platform. Quote, I'm very saddened to inform all those who loved her, of which there are many, that Ivana Trump has passed away in her home in New York City. She was a wonderful, beautiful, and amazing woman who led a great and inspirational life. Her pride and joy were her three children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. She is so proud of them as we are proud of her. Rest in peace, of, uh, rest in peace Ivana. Um, she was a uh, competitive skier. She uh, grew up in... Uh, where was she from originally? She was uh, a... Uh, Czech American businesswoman. So uh, she grew up in Czechoslovakia. She was a she almost made the Olympic team. Apparently, she was a model. They uh, married in 1976. Um, I guess they were married in 77. They met in 76. They uh, divorced in 92. She kept the Trump name, and uh, she was the one who decided to name Donald Trump the Donald. Apparently, she was. Uh, very involved in uh, Donald Trump's uh, real estate investments. So uh, rest in peace. President Joe Biden, of course, he was overseas this week, traveled abroad. Um, He also gave uh, ample content to the uh, senior moments uh, of his presidency. During a stop in Israel, for example, the president vowed to keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't make it up. Um, he then went on to uh, brag about his abysmal poll numbers. Uh, he also shook hands with a ghost, as he's done in the past. After he left the podium making a speech, he turned around and tried to shake hands with, with a ghost. Apparently nobody was there. Uh, the polls, someone asked him about the poor poll numbers that the number of Democrats, the majority of Democrats, didn't want him running again, to which he was really um, rather boisterous and uh, curt with a reporter saying, hey, Jack, let me tell you something. The polls out there tell tell a different story that 92% of Democrats support me for running again, which he was quoting the wrong poll. The poll he was quoting said, As a Democrat, if Joe Biden were to run against Donald Trump, who would you vote for? 
That was the poll where 92% of Democrats said, well, if that's the two choices, I'd vote for Joe Biden. Other polls have indicated the majority of Democrats don't want him to run again. That's what they were asking about. But um, once again, his numbers, CNBC said North Carolina was number one uh, for business and the economy. Um, They basically came out with another poll today saying that Joe Biden was in last place for the economy. Joe Biden's approval um, rating among adults, according to CNBC, uh, is 36 percent worse. His approval rating for how he handled the economy, that's at 30 percent. Just 11 percent said the economy was excellent or good at uh, 1 percent, 10 percent, respectively. Yes, You read that right, a majority of of 58% think it's a poor, 30% say it's fair. So basically 60% think the economy is poor, 90% think it's either poor or only fair. Not good for the president, and uh, his numbers are worse. I think they're the worst numbers in the history of our country. I think he beats Jimmy. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's number one as far as being the worst. He beats Jimmy, he beats uh, Barack, he beats Donald. He probably even is worse than Nixon at this point. Um, CNBC poll numbers are bad. And uh, it's although White House Press Secretary uh, Jean-Pierre uh, keeps saying the president, um, everything's fine. Everything is good. We've got a strong economy. We're stronger economically. I mean, they actually came out and made this statement earlier this week. Quote, we're stronger economically than this country has ever been in the history of this country. This is the strongest economy we've ever had. I I mean, you know, I understand there's certain things you can lie about. And there's a lot of people out there that say, hmm, I wonder if that's true. This is not one of them. I I understand that you can gaslight people. You can get people to believe certain things when they aren't well-informed. But everybody's got to buy groceries. Everybody's got to buy gas. (laughs) This is not hard to figure out. Anyway, Joe continues to say he's going to run for re-election. Please do, Joe. Please do. Jake Sullivan, and of course, by the way, backing up, Joe Biden goes over to Israel and talks about how Israel is just one of our closest allies, that we have just a great trust between their country and our country. We love them. We're close. We're, you know, we're just, we're one. We're, it's, we're tight, man. We're tight. And just within hours, he goes over and starts rubbing elbows and kissing up to the Palestinians and turns around and cuts them a check for one of their hospitals. Uh. (laughs) Apparently Joe's not real smart on uh, Middle East relationships over there. Jake Sullivan today lowered expectations that uh, Joe Biden will leave Saudi Arabia with a deal to increase oil supply. Basically, the president is over there begging for more oil. One of the interesting stories that was um, out today as well is the fact that when Joe got over and was going into the royal palace, 
and he was greeted by the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salam. He fist bumped the guy. Now, at, at first, you might say, well, that's is, is, is it proper for the president to fist pump a uh, Saudi crown prince? But the bigger question is this, and even the Washington Post took Joe to the woodshed. Now, it wasn't because it was somehow disrespectful. They took him to the woodshed, rightly so. One of the rare times I agree with the Washington Post, that it's pretty evident that it was the Saudi royal family that had journalist Jamal Khashoggi killed and sliced and diced a couple years ago, back in 2018. Saudi security officials killed the guy. And uh, cut up his body and, you know, took it out in small pieces. Now, it, it, it was pretty evident that happened. Do you, you, do you fist pump a guy knowing that if, if you, there's a journalist out there that says something that he doesn't like, the journalist gets killed? Of course, uh, Khashoggi worked for the uh, Washington Post. Joe, again, I mean, we're giving these stories out as if we know that Joe is actually a rational human being that uh, knows what he's talking about, which right now Joe hasn't known what he's talking about for a number of years. And uh, as every day goes by, he knows less and less. Hey, we've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about on this Friday edition of News and Views. Stay with us. We'll be right back. thing you should do after work I turn on the radio check in with tom and benny gotta know what's happening in my city what's going on in my backyard things that are happening locally i like the local news things that i don't hear everywhere else, don't hear everywhere else. for the local news you want kept me informed for all of the local stuff you know it let me know what was going on in the local community eastern carolina's news sources news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 Welcome back in. A quick look at your weather forecast for this weekend. Tonight, a stray shower thunderstorm is possible with a low of 69. Tomorrow, partly cloudy. Chance of showers, just a 40% chance of showers in the afternoon. And again, tomorrow night, a slight chance of showers, a low of 69. Sunday, partly cloudy skies. And again, a slight chance of a thunderstorm passing through a high near 90 on Sunday. And then a low Sunday night of 71 with partly cloudy skies. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Whether you're looking to spend your summer poolside, courtside, or greenside, Ironwood Golf and Country Club offers a variety of memberships tailored to fit your lifestyle with no initiation fee required. And listen, if you're headed to the beach this summer, pack your clubs. Ironwood members receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort and Compass Point and Magnolia Greens, located near Wilmington. More information, contact Membership Director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. Join in the fun at Ironwood today, a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. So speaking of Cousin Eddie, a.k.a. Joe Biden, the U.S. Department, the U.S. Health Department, said doctors must provide an abortion if it's the stabilizing treatment necessary to resolve a health emergency. 
As a result, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson has filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration. This happened yesterday after the Department of Health and Human Services reiterated guidance this week that says doctors are required to perform an abortion if a pregnant woman's life is in danger. Quote, President Biden is flagrantly disregarding the legislative and democratic process and flouting the Supreme Court's ruling before the ink is dry by having his appointed bureaucrats mandate that hospitals and emergency medicine physicians must perform abortions. This is part of the lawsuit, which names Javier Becerra, the health secretary, and other officials as defendants. Becerra issued the guidance to healthcare providers on Monday, writing in a letter that under the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act, physicians must provide an abortion if it is the, quote, stabilizing treatment necessary to resolve an emergency medical condition. Now, here's the problem. I mean, there's <laughs> is more than just one problem. Uh, th- th- this vague uh, um, wording for what would constitute the need for abortion is uh, is dangerous. Uh, uh, you know, this is the kind of wording that, uh, you know, if if the, the woman's lifestyle is going to be cramped, then perhaps that's a medical condition that uh, would call for an abortion. The idea that this mandate from Javier Becerra is needed to save the life of of a pregnant woman or a pregnant person, as a Democrat would say, uh, the idea that it would save a life of that person, that's already on the books in Texas. I mean, when when a person goes in, uh, when a woman goes in, she's pregnant, and the pregnancy is putting her life in danger, that's not an elective abortion. That is when a doctor would, would do what is necessary to save the life of both the mother and the child if he can, and if it's just the mother of the child, he's going to do what is necessary. But uh, beyond that, beyond that, this is typical of the Biden administration. And I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. One of the reasons why the Democrats are going nuts over the idea that the Dobbs case has reversed Roe and Casey is because liberals do not want states to have the power that the Constitution calls for. And back in 1973, one of the reasons why that liberal Supreme Court ruled in favor of Roe is because it took a lot of rights away from the states. And this is what liberals want to do. They want to be able to control from one location with the fewest amount of people involved. And that would be a federal government that is highly bureaucratic, that dictates to the citizenry, to the states, what you're allowed to do and not do. And this was a huge setback for those same liberals. You know, we are to follow the Constitution, and the Constitution makes it pretty clear that unless there are certain rights that are delineated in the Constitution for the federal government, everything else goes back to the states. In other words, the majority of the decision-making ought to be on the state level, not the federal level. 
And when you consider that, when you consider that, okay, we now have a Supreme Court that is actually taking the Constitution literally and are ruling the right way when it comes to Roe, there are other issues such as, you know, do we really – does the Constitution call for a Department of Education? I don't think so. I mean, will that be acts next? We can only hope so. Paxson said in a statement Thursday that the administration's interpretation is too wide and mandates abortion under a whole new range of circumstances. In addition, the abortion mandate conflicts with the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits federal dollars from being used to fund abortions, except when the pregnancy is a result of rape or incest or the life of the woman is in danger. This is a um, this is the the federal government again, as he said, flouting the Supreme Court and uh, saying, "No, we we really don't believe in the rule of law here in the United States." It goes back to Obama. I've got a I've got a phone and a pen, and if they can't legislate through the judicial system, the courts, then they're going to probably then they are trying to legislate through the executive branch. So they really do not believe in three co-equal branches of government, the judiciary, the legislative, and the executive. They don't. They've tried to, they've tried to make laws through the judiciary, and uh, now that we have a constitutional originalist Supreme Court, they're falling upon hard times getting their way there. So the next best thing they're trying to do is uh, legislate through agencies. The the frustrating part about this is while in a rational society we would just simply ignore these mandates that are coming out from people like Becerra. He has no he has no authority to create law. And yet what happens is it has to go back to the courts, which takes months, if not years, to go through the court system, to which if we have a Supreme Court, as we do now, that's following the Constitution, they will then come out and rule that you can't do that. The problem is we just had a Supreme Court that just ruled on the Dobbs case that basically that, that did say it is not constitutional for to, to have the federal government mandate abortions to all 50 states. It's a state's rights issue. And yet we have this administration that is basically telling us we don't care what the Supreme Court said. We're going to do it anyway. I, I, you, you, this is called, this is the early stages of anarchy. And this is where we're going. By the way, did you see in the Washington Free Beacon, the Army has suspended a decorated general for criticizing a tweet by uh, Jill Biden. This from USA Today. The branch released retired three-star general, Lieutenant General Gary Volsky, a veteran of the Persian Gulf War, the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War, um, from advising senior officers because of his June 25th response to a Jill Biden tweet about the Supreme Court's decision to strike down Roe. (laughs) I actually thought it was pretty clever. Jill Biden tweets, for nearly 50 years, women have had the right to make our own decisions about our bodies. Today, that right was stolen from us. That was her tweet concerning uh, the Roe decision. To which Volsky replied, glad to see you finally know what a woman is.
By the way, have you seen or have you heard? I mean, this was earlier in the week, but this was this was too good since I was off earlier in the week. I, I, I had to grab this this audio. The Washington Post has now accused Josh Hawley of, quote, refusing to acknowledge that some transgender men can get pregnant. Although that's really not true, Josh Hawley's point was that only biological women can give birth. The Washington Post political writer Mariana Alfaro broke down the now viral exchange between Hawley and University of California at Berkeley law professor Kahina Bridges over the question who can get pregnant during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing earlier this week. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. So your view is is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? So we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm denying that trans people exist by asking you you if you're talking about women having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people like this thing. And that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're a- opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow. I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Yeah. Th- th- that is extraordinary. Uh, good job by Josh Hawley. You, you might want to think twice as you decide where your child or your grandchild is going to go to college. You might want to think twice. That, that is unbelievable. And again, the Washington Post political writer Alfaro basically has come out and said, Holly has refused to acknowledge that some transgender men can get pregnant. No, he acknowledged that only women can give birth, that men cannot get pregnant. Democrats, and and again, I know there is Joe Manchin out there. For every Joe Manchin that's out there, there's about 100,000, if not more, bizarros. The Democrats live in a bizarro world. For them (laughs) to come out and propagate Nonsense is beyond the pale. The Washington Post motto is democracy dies in darkness. Folks, your paper will die because of your self-imposed absurdity. Absurdity. Uh, You deny the realities of life. (laughs) 
it's laughable, except you guys take it seriously. And you want to punish anybody that doesn't go along with your absurdity. Executive Director for the Free Beacon, Brent Shire, advocated a total and complete shutdown of the paper until we figure out what's going on. Contributing editor for Spectator, Stephen Miller, called the paper irreparably broken. Others, like the Washington Examiner reporter, Jerry Dunleavy, express skepticism over the paper's suggestion. But this is, this is, this is where liberalism has taken us. Uh, it is bizarro world. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember a couple of decades ago when political correctness had first made the scene. It was bizarre then. But it has just gotten, it, it has gone beyond the pale. Thank goodness we have a few people like Josh Hawley up in Washington, D.C., and unfortunately, we have too many people that want to get along. We have too many uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski's up there that w- will do whatever they can to get along. You know, Liz Cheney. Um, how quickly we forget the the uh, senator from uh, from Utah who uh, ran for president. If you, <laughs> I'm getting old. I can't remember. Uh, well, who am I thinking of? Uh, the Utah senator. Well, anyway, text me. Let me know. <laughs> hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. News and Views for a Friday continues right after this. A lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the whats, and the wheres. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Mitt Romney. Okay. I got it. (laughs) Thank you for your uh, tweets, texts, emails, whatever. Uh, yeah, Mitt, I, you know, I think I'm trying to suppress any image of that rhino. That's why I couldn't come up with his name. California State Senator Scott Weiner sounded off on the federal government failure to pre uh, to p- procure an adequate supply of monkeypox vaccine vaccines and warned that San Francisco is headed toward a public health mess of uncontrolled monkeypox spread. Now. It's not as bad as what he makes it sound like. Out of, there are 80 cases out of how many millions of people that live in San Francisco. But here's the, the bottom line. This comes as monkeypox infections are on the rise in the city. Six, case, six cases as of June 16th. A total of 80 cases as of July 14th, of a city of 3 million people. But where are the people 
that would say – by the way, this guy, Scott Weiner, is a self-proclaimed um, a gay man. But the CDC, the CDC, which is not a conservative group, has come out and said the virus spreads from person to person through direct contact with infectious rashes, scabs, and bodily fluids – uh, respiratory secretions during prolonged face-to-face contact or during intimate physical contact, such as kissing, cuddling, or sex. Perhaps the good citizens of San Francisco might want to first, before they come to the federal government, asking for, hey, spend millions on us, even though there are only 80 cases, maybe you ought to use a little personal discretion personal hygiene, uh, be careful for with whom you uh, are intimate. Uh, I mean, we're talking about San Francisco, though. Fat chance of that happening. The uh, Hempfield School District, hey, it's good news, good news. We're, we're coming to the end of the week. Let's, let's have some good news. The Hempfield School District in southern Pennsylvania's Lancaster County has approved a measure by a 6-2 to two vote earlier this week Basically saying that no more of biological males allowed to play on biological females sports teams. We're thankful for those parents in Lancaster County School District who are fighting to protect the safety and well-being of female athletes by preventing boys from playing on girls teams. Moms for Liberty co-founder Tiffany Justice told Fox News. Safety of students should always come first. Allowing biological boys to compete against biological girls in sports is dangerous, plain and simple. Besides the fact that it's extremely unfair, by adopting an athletic policy that says students must compete according to their biological sex, the Hemfield School District is acting in the best interests of girls by promoting fairness and allowing them the opportunity to excel in the playing field. Other proponents of the policy explain their support. Um, Linda Blade of Save Women's Sports told CBS News, when it comes to sport, we must compete and contest on the basis of our biological reality, our biological sex. The body that's designed as male throughout puberty and into adulthood, that body needs to stay in the male category. There are critics, though, that don't really have any scientific or logical reason, but they blast the decision as discriminatory. The Education Law Center, a nonprofit legal advocacy group based in Philadelphia, condemned the policy before the letter before the vote was even taken. We urge the board and district to reject the proposed policy because it illegally discriminates against transgender students, they wrote. Really? Illegal? I don't think so. We urge the board instead to undertake its duty to affirmatively protect the rights of LGBTQ students. Schools should be safe and welcoming places for all students. Policies like this target kids and leave them open to bullying and intimidation. Here's the thing. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Is it not intimidation if you're forcing a young lady to go out and compete against biological males? Is that not unfair? Is that not intimidating? The ACLU of Pennsylvania also called the vote dangerous and cruel. Other opponents of the policy, meanwhile, argue that it will result in lengthy legal fights 
with upset parents. Yeah, there'll be upset parents on both sides. But I think there'll be more upset parents on the side that affirmed this decision by the school board because they will be dragged into court. In the meantime, though, kudos to the uh, parents and the school board in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. June marked the 50th anniversary of Title IX, the 1972 law that prohibits sex-based discrimination in schools that receive federal funding. The Biden administration's newly released Title IX proposals would sweep gender identity into the law's protection. The administration also said it will release additional regulations on transgender students' participation in sports. In 1972, Title IX was written in part to provide equality in sports for women within institutions that receive federal funding. In 2022, the Biden administration is changing the term gender to identity, which defeats the whole purpose of Title IX. I mean, you talk about taking, and wait a minute, liberals are always talking about the war on women. Hello. If this isn't the war on women, I don't know what is. Hey, we got to take another time out. We'll be right back. I'm going to do my best to not drop an F-bomb. Is it all just a world gone crazy? My blood is boiling. I would love to know what the hell's going on in our country. We're a systemic, controlled demolition of America by the radical left. It's almost as if there's a group behind Biden just sitting around a table saying, how can we hurt the American people today? What can we do today? You know, I'm just so sick and tired of listening to Democrats all the time with this rhetoric. The game of politics gets exposed every day on News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Hey, we're uh, running out of time, but uh, real quickly as we close out for today, interesting story out of Georgia. Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor again. Um, interestingly, she's raised $50 million. Just 14% of that $50 million has come from Georgians. All the rest of it coming from out of state from liberals, big time. Georgians do not support Stacey. Bye-bye, everybody.